Rand manipulation, banks stealing, a trillion dollars a day. South Africans have been absolutely drowning this week in headlines and alarming posts on Twitter slash X about these allegations, these accusations from the Competitions Commission and Competitions Tribunal in South Africa against 28 local and international banks. They stand accused of colluding to manipulate the value of the South African rand between 2007 and at least 2013 in order to drive up prices and yield themselves way more profits. Now, that is flatly and fundamentally illegal. That's why the Competitions Commission and Tribunal exists. But this week, South Africa has been trying to figure out what did the banks really do to manipulate the rand? What is currency manipulation? How much money could they have made from this? And how much damage has their selfish actions that only profited them done to all of the rest of our lives across South Africa and the South African economy? So that's what the issue with Dan Corder is about today. It's the issue with rand manipulation. Welcome to the show. If you just joined us for the very first time, my name is Dan Corder and this show is South Africa's watch party because we all know that South Africa is so wild. South Africa is a movie. Come watch it with us as we try to figure out what is going on with all the biggest issues, crises, and current affairs and events facing our country. As always, every episode is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and every single episode is also created into a video that you can find on our YouTube channel. Just search The Issue with Dan Corder. Lastly, as always, please just click follow wherever you're streaming from. It costs you nothing. It would be such a treat for us. It really helps us to keep the lights on and keep developing the show. Right. Let's talk about RAND manipulation. On the 30th of March 2023, South Africa's competition tribunal ruled that it had jurisdiction. That meant that it has the power, the legitimate power to rule on and hear a long-standing case against what was 19 but is now 28 banks. It includes huge names like HSBC USA, Merrill Lynch, Pierce Fenner and Smith, Bank of America, Credit Suisse, Standard Americas, there's a lot of them. The commission is accusing all 28 banks of colluding on foreign exchange deals and manipulating the foreign exchange market for their own benefit. The accusation is that, amongst other things, they fixed the price of the RAND for periods of time on foreign exchange markets between 2007 until 2013 in a way that yielded them massive profits and manipulated the value of the rand. And all these 28 banks stand accused of conspiracy to manipulate the rand. The Competitions Tribunal and Commission claims that this behavior affected many parts of South Africa's economy, including imports and exports, direct foreign investment, public and private debt, companies' balance sheets, the prices of goods or services for everyday South Africans' financial assets. It's a lot. So... What is the foreign exchange market and why does it matter so much? Whenever anybody wants to do business across a border with a person or the whole country, the government of a country that uses a different currency, before they do any deals, before they buy, sell or trade goods and services, they need to agree on using a common currency in which to do those purchases in that exchange. Because Someone in America or Europe has no use for rands. Somebody in South Africa has no practical use for dollars. And so the done thing is to find a common currency. It's generally the US dollar. That's the worldwide standard. You've heard BRICS talk a lot about how they want to destabilize or change that or make other countries viable as common currencies. 
Sometimes the pound and the euro is also used, but it's generally the dollar. So what that means is that if you are in South Africa wanting to do any kind of business with a company or a government overseas or even an individual, you need to go and buy usually dollars first. And then once you've bought those dollars, you can use those dollars to buy, sell, trade and the rest of it. And so that's what the market of foreign exchanges, exchange of different currencies across borders, or at least people living in different countries on the opposite sides of borders. As you can imagine, foreign exchange really affects how well businesses do, how much they can buy and sell, because different currencies have different values. So the rand at the moment, you need like between 17 and 20 rand to be able to buy one dollar pound euro at various levels. And any fluctuations in the value relationships between the currencies will really affect how much your money is worth when you then have to go and buy another currency and therefore how much money you have in that common currency to actually trade with. So the fluctuating value of currencies literally affects how much business can be done for different people. How do the banks fit into this? Banks have always played a massive role in foreign exchange. Firstly, banks buy a lot of currencies from around the world and often trade on their own behalf. So you are able to sometimes go and buy the currency you're looking for directly from a bank. But what banks also do in layman's terms is they open up channels through which their clients can buy foreign currency. You can go through a bank that has set up a system or a series of interlocking processes involving different stakeholders that allows you to buy the foreign currency that you're looking for in order to do business. And when banks do that, they take commission. They add on a rate for the service that they've provided of creating that process, that system through which you can buy foreign currency. All of that is okay, legal, above board, standard practice. But what did all these 28 accused banks allegedly do that is so wrong? The way that capitalism is supposed to work is that different companies compete for business from clients and customers. And they do it in two ways. The first thing that they do is try to increase quality so they are able to justify charging you more because they are providing you, let's say, higher quality goods. Classic South African example is the cold store, Woolworths. Like they just on many items are much more expensive and their argument is, but our food is better quality, so it's worth the higher price. But the other way that companies generally try to outcompete each other to get your business to attract your money is to offer lower prices. So the competition drives down the price because ShopRite, Pick and Pay, Checkers, even Woolworths on certain goods, all these different companies are trying to offer you a lower price than their competitors so you'll go and buy their bread or their meat. But one of the ways that capitalism can malfunction is if all of these companies that are supposed to be competing collude, which means that they get together in secret because it is illegal. They get together in secret and they say, all of us, all these companies together have monopoly over the market. We account for, say, between 90 and 100% of all of the, let's use an example, actually, bread that is sold in South Africa. And bread is a really good example to use because Tiger Brands in South Africa got in massive trouble some years ago for doing exactly this, colluding on the price of bread to make all South Africans pay more. So let's use bread as an example. Say all the bakeries in South Africa get together and they say, we usually compete to increase quality and drive down price, but that usually means that it's harder for us to make big money 
on every loaf of bread that we sell because we're competing to make prices lower and putting more effort into driving up the quality of our bread. And so here's what we're going to do instead. We know that everybody in this room sells nearly all the bread in South Africa. So if we all club together and all raise our prices at the same time to very similar rates, South Africans aren't going to be able to go to anyone else to buy cheaper bread because all the major bread sellers are in this room. And if we all increase the prices of bread to very similar rates, then we will all make more money per loaf of bread and we'll still be selling all of our loaves of bread because South Africans have to buy bread and there's no one else to buy it from. So that's called collusion. And when companies collude, they are able to drive up the price of a good or a service and there's nothing that a customer or a client can do about it. And so around the world, there are things like, in South Africa's case, the Competitions Commission and the Competitions Tribunal that exist to stop collusion, to root it out. They make it illegal and they try to enforce its illegality. And they do that to protect consumers and to stop major companies from exploiting capitalism to have rampant profits and take advantage of us, the people. So the banks are accused of collusion to manipulate the price of the rand. How would this collusion work? The central accusation that we know about, because I must be clear here, the Competitions Commission hasn't come out with the full report made public for the world, and we'll definitely do a follow-up episode once that came out. But from what we know so far, all of these 28 banks stand accused of clubbing together in like actual chat rooms where they had discussions and strategized and talked about this behavior, this plot. They're accused of altogether raising their rates, their commission prices for buying and selling foreign exchange through them at the same time in different moments between 2007 and 2013. Because it works the same as bread. They're supposed to be competing with each other. They're supposed to be trying to offer the lowest available rates at the highest quality. But they all agreed that between all 28 of them, South African business people would have no other option. They had to go through them. And so if they all raise their rates, then they would all extract, exploit a higher commission from each Forex deal that they facilitated for all of their different clients. And the clients had no ability to go elsewhere for a better deal. And as I said earlier, that literally affects how much business that that business person can do because they are paying higher levies and fees, commissions to the banks just to get the foreign exchange that they need to do business at all. And a staggeringly large amount of business in our fundamentally globalized world happens across borders. As I said earlier, it, this affects imports and exports, direct foreign investment, public-private debt, company balance sheets, financial assets, price of goods and services. It fundamentally affects all South Africans to different degrees across our economy. And this isn't the only way that these 28 banks could have manipulated the value of the RAND. They could have essentially done targeted manipulation of and control of massive clients, massive companies. Let's take, for example, like the kind of company that needs to buy, sell, and trade across borders. Use example, a mining house. Let's take a mining company in South Africa. So mining companies deal in hundreds of millions, tens of millions at the very least, of US dollars of goods and services, trade, buying, and selling all the time. And so what a massive company, just like a mining house, would do is they would go to the bank that offers them the best rate, the lowest commission or fee on all of their different transactions for buying the foreign exchange through them or from them. 
And usually, under, I guess, properly functioning capitalism, those banks would be competing with each other. But if all these banks are now colluding, then they could potentially, maybe, have started passing around massive clients. Because what the banks wanted to do is make everybody in the banking cartel richer. So instead of competing, they could have informally, in secret, and again illegally, made all of their prices similar, or decided that each bank in turn would get the work of similarly sized companies so that they all got the benefits of working with massive companies that would pay them a lot of money to do their jobs. So in our hypothetical example, a mining house is looking for a bank and the banks get together and they say, okay, this mining house needs to work with one of us. There's nobody else. And so it's your turn because each of us banks has an order and we each get a turn to make big money off of these houses. And that bank offers a certain commission or rate or deal to that mining house. In this example, it could be any massive company. And then all the other banks offer slightly worse deal, slightly higher rates or higher commission. And so that mining house, maybe even unbeknownst to it, is manipulated into working with that bank, which still has an increased or an inflated commission, has still manipulated the value of the RAND because they're doing it with everybody else to extract greater profits. So that could hypothetically have been happening too. So why has this been such massive news in the last few weeks? On the 15th of November, 2023, the Competition Commission announced that SCB, which is Standard Chartered Bank, admitted liability. They confessed and agreed to pay a fine of almost 43 million rand. And the Competition Commission welcomes the decision and it encouraged other banks to consider settling too because they were trying to get money back from these banks. We don't know yet at all whether that fine was even close to the amount of money that Standard Chartered Bank made off of this banking cartel manipulation of the RAND. But from the Competition Commission's perspective, they're getting some money back. But crucially, the other thing about the SEB deal is that Standard Chartered Bank has now agreed to be a witness for the state prosecuting all of these banks. So the state is going to get a ton of information that they could use to better and more effectively prosecute the other banks, understand and find out the true scale and nature of this kind of, you know, it's kind of like extortion, right? And hopefully set up better systems in future to stop this from happening again and just get more justice now. Now, 13 of the banks have argued in the competition's appeal court that there was no evidence of a conspiracy to manipulate the RAND. Two banks said that their traders were present in a single chat on just one day, and they say that this isn't sufficient evidence to prove conspiracy. The commission has primary evidence of 158 chats involving 28 banks, all 28, over seven years. But the tribunal ruled back in March that an overarching conspiracy does not necessarily require that all members of the conspiracy meet at the same time in the same room, or for that matter, that each member must have met with every other member of that conspiracy. What it requires, what it requires to be a conspiracy is contact between all the firms, either directly or through an intermediary, and a common objective to which the participants consider themselves to be bound, and the tribunal and the commission certainly believe that from those 158 chats involving all of the banks over seven years and more, that they have that evidence. We still don't know how much money these banks made, and we still don't know how many transactions 
this cartel's plot affected. But just so that you understand how affecting an inflated bank currency trade can be for, say, a company the size of a mining house. Say it's one cent. The bank manipulated the value of the rand by just one cent. That could mean thousands or millions of dollars extra in fees for a mining house. So there is a lot of money at play here. But many South Africans this week have been led into a misunderstanding by some very, very poor journalistic reporting where quotes were confused and taken out of context and misinterpreted. Basically, a lot of South Africans have now been led to believe that the banks were making one trillion rand revenue a day. And I know that we as humans struggle to fathom anything above like six digits, six figures. Uh, And so I'm not criticizing anybody who believed this or fell for this, because like once it gets above hundreds of thousands or millions, the scope, like, you know, the size is just too vast for most of us, unless we are economists who know the numbers and what's realistic or not. I called a couple of economist friends of mine. Thank you so much to Jay Grander and Colin Bassans for setting me right on this, because I thought that my brain was flipping inside out and having a hernia. One trillion rand a day revenue is staggeringly, stunningly, comprehensively impossible for 28 banks or a collection of most of the companies in the world working together to make. I just want to put this into context for you. If they were making, hypothetically, 1 trillion rand a day between 2007 and 2013, they were making 365 trillion rand per year. Now, let's take a random year from that set, 2007. In 2007, 365 trillion rand would have been around 45 trillion US dollars that they were making in a year because the rand to dollar exchange value at the time was about around about one to eight. So if they were making one trillion rand a day, they together would have been making 45 trillion US dollars. But the whole world's GDP The whole world's GDP, everything that every human anywhere on earth made that year was 59 trillion US dollars. There is literally no way that three quarters, 45 out of about 60 trillion US dollars that were made in that year, three quarters of all money made that year were made by 28 banks on a price fixing scandal involving the South African currency's forex market. In fact, there is nothing in the world that could have accounted, not even an industry that could have accounted for three quarters of the world's earnings in 2007. So that one trillion rand a day, if anybody's believing it or peddling it or posting it or misunderstanding it, please just tell them because it is staggeringly, (laughs) almost incredibly wrong. Actually, it is incredibly wrong. But... The banks did exploit and manipulate the RAND for their own profits, and that is illegal and it is evil. Absolutely it is. And we are only going to, in time, fully be able to understand with new information the full effect on South Africa's economy that this had. But one thing that is definitely true is while the banks were manipulating the RAND and their RAND manipulation was screwing with South Africans' abilities to do business, import goods, import services, help 
everyday South Africans to have better goods at cheaper prices. While they were doing that, they were also repossessing cars, homes, personal goods of South Africans. They were also allowing for incredibly harmful, life-destroying loans. They were facilitating millions of South Africans going into horrifying debt at the same time as actively damaging South Africa's ability to do business with the world for their own ends. So it is staggering evil, and there need to be extremely hardcore repercussions for these banks and radical development of South Africa's systems in place, checks and balances, to stop this from ever happening again. On the 17th of November, the ANC said that a mere settlement of 43 million in the case of Standard Chartered Bank is not sufficient for the harm our economy has experienced. We commend the Competition Commission for their investigation, but demand that all banks involved in this illegal conduct face criminal charges. Then on the 20th, Cabinet said that the manipulation of the RAND was part of the private sector's ongoing efforts to destabilize the government, which is a very serious charge. Minister in the Presidency Kumbuzo Nchaveni said that the incident was a reminder that South Africa's private sector had no interest in the development of the country. She said that is why they also self-feed into the narratives that there's a collapsing state, there's a collapsing economy, because that is what they wish for and their actions do that. But despite those efforts, the South African economy continues to be resilient. And in terms of the work that is being done by the Competition Commission, Standard Chartered has agreed to testify against other banks. She said, at least Standard Chartered is going to form part of the witnesses in the prosecution so that we can have recourse. People cannot be left untouched because they wanted to collapse this country. Now, there's no evidence that the banks wanted to collapse South Africa. In fact, particularly for the local banks, collapsing the South African economy makes literally no business sense because they destroy the own value of the banks that they have built and what they do for South Africans and in South Africa. And the international banks, too, also have vested interests here, although arguably less so. But maybe I'm not saying that evidence won't come out of some evil private sector plot to destroy the country. But it is also incredibly possible that this is just selfish, self-centered, smart people who broke the law for their own personal gain and were able to ignore the incredible evil of their behavior, of their actions, and how badly it would affect other South Africans around them. So, the case is still unfolding. We are waiting to see how other banks respond to the Competitions Commission and the Competitions Tribunal. We are waiting to see the report from the Commission and the Tribunal so that we can understand the full extent of the information that they have available at their hands, including these private chat rooms and estimates about what they reckon are all the different ways that the banks may have tried to collude to manipulate the value of the RAND. And what effect, like the size of the damage that this had on South Africa's economy. And as I said, we will certainly update you once all of that comes out. So that's the issue with the manipulation of the RAND. This is the issue with Dan Corder. Thank you so much for listening. Deeply appreciated. Please pop us a follow if you found this at all helpful or a subscribe wherever you're streaming from. A reminder again that you can catch these podcasts. They come out weekly in podcast form on Spotify and Apple Music. And you can watch every single episode in video form across on YouTube. Just search the issue with Dan Corder. Please let us know what you think of the show, what you thought of this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Comments, feedback, criticism, particularly criticism. I 
love some criticism. You can let us know. We are literally on all the social media. Just search Dan Corder and the issue with Dan Corder. Thank you for listening. Chat to you next week.